Hey, photographers, welcome to the Boca Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm here to help you build a sustainable photography business. That means improving your photo skills, building on your business knowledge, and honing your marketing abilities. But it also means helping you work more efficiently so you don't get burnt out in the long run. We do try to bring the show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographer's Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing. Again, photographersedit.com and Milu.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. And uh, I am joined for a second time, actually, by a friend of mine from this wonderful photography industry, Chip Desar. Thank you, Chip, so much for hanging out with me yet again. Hey, thank you, Nathan, for having me uh, again. It's been a long time coming. We were in Vegas last time. We were face to face, but it's good to be back. Yeah, well, we were chatting about that before we got started. You know, the the original episode that we had you on was episode 226, and I think we did it last year during WPPI. I did a series of short interviews, um, and I thought, you know what? I, first of all, I was kind of amazed when I, when I was getting ready for this conversation. I'm like, how in the world have we not had Chip on to do like a full interview yet? So <laughs> I'm glad that we're making this happen. And we're going to get into yes. a really important topic a little bit later on. But just to get started, because we did a short interview to begin with, I, I'd love for our listeners to get to know you a little bit. Um, first of all, what market are you based in as a photographer? I'm in a Baltimore, Washington, D.C. Uh, market uh, with weddings and portraits and videos and trainings, everything. So, well, I'm, yeah, I'm you, you do right quite a bit. <laughs> I do. I don't understand, but yeah, it is pretty busy in these days. Now I'm busy. Uh, comparatively speaking, we weren't busy a couple months ago, but sure. Now we're getting back up too. Well, so I'm I'm kind of curious, and, and actually, you know what? I'm I'm going to ask you this question, but then I'm going to I want to jump in because I have to give you props too. So we we normally talk here. My, the first question I normally ask is about brand position. But I actually have both of your websites pulled up here. And so for everybody listening in, um, if you go to chipdesardweddings.com and then chipdesard.com, D-I-Z-A-R-D, we'll put both of these in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But first of all, your wedding business, I, I go there and the first thing that I see is live stream your wedding. Click here for more information. So first of all, I, I, I've never seen any kind of, shall we call it a position statement um, on any other photographer's website as just bold and as unique as that. And, and I really love that. How did you land on this idea? Well, uh, wow, Nathan, that's a great question. I have in 2015 or 2016, I started doing live streaming of weddings. Um, just my background was in uh, churches and live streaming for churches. So I knew how to do it already. And I said, you know what? Back in 2016, I'm going to write a little blog about it. Thought nothing of it nothing at all. Then after the COVID-19 happened, I was looking at my Google Analytics one day and I said, my God, I'm getting a lot of links to my live streaming page. And I remembered that brides.com featured me as an expert on their site. If you know anything about SEO, brides.com in the scheme of things is a very reliable site. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when they linked, they just had a like Streaming web streaming expert Chip Desard says this and quoted me. It, the article was not even about me. It's about a lot of different people, but a lot of people landed on my site. So when you type in live stream wedding, my site is on the front page. Okay. Wow. It's on page one. So I said, why not better at this time to put my brand position right in front of people's faces? And I get, I mean, I'm very fortunate and I'm training on this now as not only on, on that, but I get a lot of inquiries per week. And um, I am I'm doing training on that as we speak now and uh, how, how photographers who don't have video experience can do a live stream. It's, it's really not as hard as you think it is. So that's why I put it up there. Yeah. And like you pointed out, the technology has been around. But, but the thing about a position statement is that, you know, many times the person that can own a position in a marketplace is the person that, that says it first and then, of course, follows through by being able to actually offer the service. And I've spent countless amount of time looking through photographers' websites, talking about brand position, studying brand position. And this is the first time I've, I've ever seen this particular statement. So major props to you for coming up with something that Thank was unique. And, and I love that you played on the exposure that you got from Brides. Um, I think that's really cool. 
And then, by the way, for everybody listening in, if you're not actually looking at the site, make sure you go do so you see this example. But then the, the other really great thing and a good example for all of our listeners as well is that right underneath that position statement, it says click here for more information, a simple call to action. Because if somebody lands on your site, they, they see that at the top. They're like, oh, my word, this is awesome. I've never even thought about this, but I, I certainly want it. Uh, or maybe they came here because they heard about the fact that you offer this service. The, the natural question, even if they're not thinking it consciously, is what do I do next? Naturally, click here for more information. And I think too many photographers' websites don't have a clear call to action that kind of guides the, the, the potential client through the website. And that's a really great example of how to go about that. So props to you for that, Chip. But then I have to also add to that because... You also have a second website. So that, that first one, again, for everybody listening in, chipdesardweddings.com. If I go to chipdesard.com, um, this is a site geared toward creatives and photographers. And yet again, Chip, again, major props too, because this just isn't the norm in the industry. You have very clear position, kind of multiple statements, if you will. But right there at the top, in the middle, I'm looking at it right now. It says, helping creatives thrive in business, in marketing, and it's scrolling through these words, in photography. And what, what you have set yourself up as, as a teacher, right? And, and more yeah. specifically, you're communicating what you're going to teach to a particular demographic, creatives, more specifically photographers, and you specify the, the three main areas that you focus on teaching in. So again, just a really great example of a clear and distinct uh, brand position. And uh, for everybody listening in, make sure you go check it out. Props to you, Chip. Thank you. I, I have to say that there are a lot of photographers I talk to, I mentor that have multiple sites that I know we, you know, multiple sites, multiple messages. And I was like one of those kind of guys, I could just do all under by one name. And I was like, you know what? I have SEO on this site. I have good, good analytics on the other site. So I just kind of wanted to streamline them. And this is not something, Nathan, that I've just I've become an expert on. It's something that I've refined. Like, you know, yeah. we, 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 we look at this, we refine it. We go to multiple seminars. We go to multiple conferences. When you invest in conferences and when you teach this stuff, you have to come out with something. And I realized, Nathan, that when you, when you put something on your website, people automatically get lazy. So you have to tell them the next step. I do it. You have to tell them exactly what to do and why you're here and why you do that. And I think sometimes we just assume that people know that. So I'm very fortunate with that. And hopefully people can learn not only from me because I learn from other people too. And I, I just, I appreciate that that you get that. Well, I, yeah, again, it's, it's not the norm in our industry and, and the fact that you've got it there front and center above the fold on the website so that everybody knows exactly what it is that your brands stand for. And as you pointed out, you have two separate websites, which I think is also smart for, for clarity, for distinction. Um, this is something that's just not the norm. So I appreciate the example. Everybody listening and make sure you check it out. And while I'm mentioning it too, I'll just go ahead and say Chip is also on Instagram, Chip Dizard, again, C-H-I-P-D-I-Z-A-R-D, and make sure you give him a follow and you can check out his beautiful work, see what he's up to. And and Chip, you're one of the most active individuals on Instagram stories that I personally follow. Uh, <laughs> I, I could certainly learn from you in that regard. Um, but make I'm sure I'm on you... there all the time, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, when I'm not on there, people are like, what's happening with you? I, like, I needed a break. <laughs> <laughs> we all need a I'm break for sure. Yeah, well, it, let me jump fun. to the next question though, because we have a lot to talk about today. Um, yeah. Talk to me as you're as a business owner, and by the way, how many years have you been in business for yourself? Uh, 10 years. It'll be 10 years. Just celebrated that in May, the end of May. Oh, congratulations. Uh -huh. That's awesome. Okay. So 10 years. What would you say is one of the most important principles that you've learned about how to provide a wonderful customer experience? Yeah, I, I it's really simple, Nathan. It's really delivering under promising, right. And over delivering. Yeah. It's when you say you have the images or whatever you're going to deliver, just have them on that day or have them prior to that day. And even if you don't have them, communicate that to people. I mean, it's so basic. I used to think that it was it was to have a great customer experience. You had to have a great system, a great email sequence, a great, you know, a, a great header, a great logo. No, it's just keeping your word. And all you have in your life, all we have in this life is our word, right? I mean, that's all we have. Yeah. And if we say the image is going to be on Friday, 5 p.m., Trust me, your clients are looking at, especially if you're doing weddings, your clients are looking at 449 <laughs> on Friday and looking for those, looking for that email from whatever software you use to 
get the photo. So I, I want to just say uh, being a man or woman of your word, uh, it sounds so oversimplified, but I think in this industry, we get so caught up. And I think um, another thing that I'm learning even now as I'm in, a, I'm transitioning, I, I'm always will be a photographer, but I see myself as doing a, a, a transition to more education and I'm seeing that my time, and I think that's one of the questions we're going to talk about, my timing and what I have to say no to and what I have to say yes to and how I position my time, especially when you have a client work. And then like I'm like you're in demand for a lot of different interviews and things like that. So it's it's a weird kind of place to be in. It's it's here's the thing, Nathan. Everybody wants to be a certain level, right? There's a saying that the motivational uh, speaker Eric Thomas says, he said, everybody wants to be a beast until it comes time to do what beasts do. Yeah. You know, everybody wants to be, you know, oh, I can't wait till I make a six figure or I can't make till I do this. I can't, you know, but you don't understand what comes with it. Everybody wants to be a speaker at a WPPI cookout or a reset conference, you know, a keynote speaker. But once you do that, it comes with a, a total set of circumstances that, that sometimes you're not even prepared for. Mm. And I've in the last two years, I've been very fortunate to be elevated to status. So anybody who's listening to this, I want them to know that you can't really prepare for it, but you have to roll with it. And then you have to take the good and the bad with it. So that's kind of what, what when, when you were in a pivoting kind of season, um, I'm quite sure you went with that when you stopped doing photography as much and you started doing your other businesses more, Nathan, I'm quite sure it was a weird juxtaposition, you know? Yeah. And that's where I, I'm kind of in, I'm kind of in the gray. I'm 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 not going to give up photography totally yet, but I see that there's a time where I will be doing less of it, you know? Sure. No, that makes sense. But really to take it back to what you you the point that you made first, the as simplistic as you pointed out is it, that it might sound, I, I don't think we can emphasize enough the significance of our word and you know, you mentioned time too, and this is the thing that I see with I would even venture to say most people these days, or at least say many people, when it comes to committing to doing something at a particular time, and of course, this is applicable applicable in our personal life, it's applicable in our professional life. If we say we're going to do something, and we're going to have it done in a particular day, or hey, we've got a meeting at a particular time, and we don't actually follow through on that. Uh, you know, most times people just kind of you know laugh it off and, and joke about how oh, I'm never on time. But I've had too much experience being on the other side of that. And it's just, it's highly disrespectful. The very, very least that we can do as an individual who wants to accomplish a lot, to achieve a lot, and certainly to provide a really great customer experience is to show up on time, to follow through on our word, to do what we said, and to do that consistently. And even if it seems simplistic and cliche, the reality is that people will notice that because it's not necessarily the norm. Yeah. And, and when you're doing something and I, and I notice this, especially in the conference world. And if you're, if people are aspiring speakers, one thing I'm big on is time. If they give you 25 or 30 minutes, you better stick in that 25 or 30 minutes. Right. Nathan, you taught me that to say, you cannot go 45 minutes. If yeah. they give you a 25 minute slot. <laughs> yeah. You know, you can, you can't do two minutes. You can't do two, 10 minutes either. You need to be under that sweet spot or else you'll never get invited back. You know, I don't care how good you are, you know, yeah. you'll never get invited back. So I think timing is everything. If it's a deadline with a client or if you're a speaker or if it's even, you know, even today's podcast, you know, we just have to we ha- we have to be mindful of our word. 100 percent. 100 percent. We'll leave it at that. I think that speaks for itself. Let me jump to the next question, though. Um, we were talking about the significance of time. And I'm curious, what's one of the ideas that has made a big difference for you in managing time? I know you've got family life, you've got your professional life. It's a lot to juggle and you've got your hands in a lot just in your professional life alone. How do you, is there a particular workflow technique or tip or idea that has helped you manage your time just a little bit better? Well, yeah, it's really um, having a team, having outsourcing and having a team that works with me, a, a virtual assistant that I have. And then actually, uh, because we do videos, we do photos um, and just outsourcing uh, that time and making sure that I'm on that one point and every week just going over what are the big rocks that we have right on the plate and then taking those, t- taking those and trying to get those off the plate first, you know, but just seeing what I can delegate, what I can do. And that's helped a, a lot. That's helped a whole lot. 
Yeah. So delegation um, or outsourcing, I know that kind of people use those, those terms interchangeably and then also knowing what it is that needs to be done and, and arranging those in the appropriate priority or level of priority. Those are two really great recommendations. When it comes to the idea of delegation, though, this is a question I've been asking a lot of our guests, Chip, um, because I think it's important. And frankly, it's something that I've been working on on an ongoing basis. And that is communication. How how have you learned to effectively communicate what it is that you want done when you delegate something? Because you know, if you hand something over, whether it's image editing or album design or just email management or whatever it is, you hand that to somebody else, you want it done a particular way because you want your clients to mm-hmm. be happy. But you also have to realize that that person is not you. And so you have to be able to communicate clearly what it is that you want. How have you learned to do that? With time. So you have the right people on the right seat, yeah, going the right way on the bus, right? There's a, there's a book by Jim Collins, uh, Good to Great. So you want to make sure that it's really about the timing. And I think that um, I have a colleague that I work with and she's like, okay, Chip, before I put this out, I want you to see it. So let's jump on Zoom and let's look at this video. And I said, you're absolutely right. I want these few changes. Boom, boom, boom. And we get it right. But you have to understand that when you work with someone over years, over months, you, they begin to know your heart. There's sure. it's something that you and and Haley know each other so well. She knows not everything about you, but enough about you that she knows that you're going to want X. You understand <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I mean, and I think it comes with time. I, and we just have to be patient. I think photographers, unfortunately, sometimes we are the most impatient people on planet Earth. Right? <laughs> want, no, we are. We are. Yeah. And and one false move someone makes or the outsourcing or the image editing. Oh, we want we're ready to write them off. And I'm like, mm, just work with them. It's hard. Trust me. I, I'm with you. If you're hearing this, I'm with you, but I know we have to be patient. And if that person is really going to be on your team, like anything else, they can't read your mind. You know, they'll never be you. I'll never be them. And then we'll just, we go for it. I don't think it's the patience and the th- thing that they know. The, here are the guide. Here's the guidance, right? I used to be an ed- education teacher. And one thing that we had, we had something called lesson plans. And it was, I used to hate doing them, but I understand them now. Because that was my guidance of how I'm going to teach a lesson. So when my boss came in the classroom, he could pull up the lesson plan and exactly come in 30 minutes before the class was over and know exactly where I was. So I, I understand that. So it sounds crazy to write these things down, but some type of guidance, at least written. And then just go over stuff over Zoom if you have to. That's what I do all the time. Well, yeah, yeah. you mentioned the significance of, of patience, too. And it is cool now that we have a lot of tools and enable us to, to communicate with those that we are working with. Uh, but you mentioned the significance of patience in regards to how much time it might take for somebody to learn something. And the analogy that I like to use is, you know, for anybody who's ever worked for anyone, for any company, retail, fast food, um, I worked in, um, in clothing for a little while. I was in the optics industry. Anytime you go work for somebody, they don't hire you and then just say, okay, do your job and, and, and not train you. There's an ongoing training process, whether you had to sit and read books or watch something on the computer uh, and or get training on the floor doing the job that you're going to actually do and get feed, getting feedback from your supervisor. And this is an ongoing process that didn't just happen overnight. And yet, as you pointed out, Chip, we, you know, we, we jump into these relationships and just kind of hand something to somebody and expect them to just do it. And like you said, literally read our minds at times. And it's just, it's not very fair. And ultimately nobody's going to win in the process. So I am glad that you highlight the significance of patience. It does take a little bit of time, but at the end of the day, it's a win-win because now we've saved so much time. It frees us up to focus on those other things that we need to focus on. It's so, it's so true. I really agree with that. That's really good. Well, let me let me jump to the next question. Um, and I'm actually really curious about this from you, Chip, specifically. You're in the photography industry, and that is what you do 24-7. But I'm curious if there's something outside or someone outside of the photography industry that you find inspiration from. Because, you know, it's so easy for us to get stuck in our Instagram feed just following all our photographer friends. Um, is there some other source of inspiration that, that helps make you a better business owner, a better photographer? Yeah, I, I really, I'm into... Um, well, music. And when I say music, I'm not, it's not popular music. I've, I have a friend of mine um, and he is um, a musician and I just like watching, he'll put his stuff on Instagram and I just like how he moves and how he moves through his chords. He'll put something on there and just, uh, 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 
hey, this is what I'm working on. What do you guys think okay. of this movement? It's more of a indie R&B jazz kind of feel. It's, nice. I, I'm, 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 you know, of course the popular music is is nice, but I think that sometimes art and music really move me. I'm going to a gallery. Hmm. I could just see some things. A lot of times I go to galleries now because I'm doing engagement shoots, but there's times when I've just been looking at architecture, lines and curves and hearing music. And it just brings out creative juices in me. Yeah. So I think, I think it's, it's, it's really, it's really that. And I like instru- more instrumentals, not, not, not uh, songs with words, really instrumentals really, really move me into uh, creativity and to see, especially where I can. Yeah. I, I feel you actually on the instrumentals. And so I grew up in, in a family of musicians. My, my dad played multiple instruments. My mom plays multiple, multiple instruments. Um, my, my brother has his doctorate in violin performance. My brother, another brother has his, uh, bachelor's and, or a minor in organ performance. Um, I played clarinet and saxophone and piano. The, the, the instrumental music was such a big part of our lives. And it's really easy to forget sometimes how inspiring it can be. And every once in a while, you know, I'll have the opportunity while I'm in the car or sitting at, at, at a table at my computer and I've got some, some you know, especially actually, I, I tend to be drawn to soundtracks and to soundtracks music, and it just takes me away. I'm like, man, why do I not take advantage of this more often? So I totally feel exactly. you on that. Uh, my, my son's actually getting ready to go to uh, UTK, uh, University of Tennessee in Knoxville, to major in jazz, jazz saxophone. Nice. And um, nice. so I get to hear him playing in the background, and, and man, he's just dug really deep into the art of, of jazz saxophone and, and sharing his thoughts on it. So I've, I've picked up a little bit from that too it's been really cool but i i totally feel you on that um instrumental music is really really powerful but transitioning from inspiration to education talk to us about you already mentioned good to great for example uh, but talk to us about a book or two that you found just really impactful it could be a self-help book or business book or otherwise one of the books i really like is one of my favorite authors his name is james clear it's called atomic habits I came out, I think, in 2020 okay. or even like 2019. But it's a really good book about just uh, laws of behavior and how you can change things and to make something called habit stacking and, and really having rituals. And I think that habits are the things are building blocks to greatness. What you do on a daily basis really becomes how you live your life. You, you know what I mean? So I really... Like something that you want to enjoy, something that you don't enjoy, you know, can make or break you. And I think that is one of the books that that really has helped me a lot this year and even going forward. Cool. Well, we'll link to that then in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. And for everybody listening in, keep in mind, there are show notes with each episode. We link to the resources we discussed, the talking points. Uh, make sure to check that out, bocapodcast.com, or you can look at the show notes in your favorite podcast app. Um, Chip, I want to go ahead and transition into really our primary topic for today. And uh, I, I want to thank you for being willing to come and discuss this. You know, we, for those of you who um, aren't living under a rock, you've, you've seen what's been going on in our culture in the last few weeks, uh, the death of George Floyd and just the, the tragic event that that was, and then all of the cultural conversation following that and the protests. I've been wanting to 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 chat with some of my photographer friends of color in our industry. And, and Chip, I, I mentioned this to you, I think before we started recording, you, you have um, very much like my friend George Mitchell, who was on the show um, not very long ago, just this easygoing personality that makes having conversation so easy. And, and that really helps, at least for me as a white dude, you know, trying to figure out, I mean, and I, I hope you know my heart at this point, Chip, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a huge um, mm-hmm. I just, I love people. First of all, I love connecting mm-hmm. with people and, and, and midst of this situation right now where we need to not just simply encourage inclusion, but equity, uh, and, and particularly, well, I'll speak to the photography industry, the photography industry specifically, I want to do whatever I can to, to support that effort. But at the same time, there's this apprehension that I have, um, which is, you know, I, am I saying the right thing? Am I asking the right questions? Um, but, and yet all that to say, Chip, you just make it easy to have conversations. So I want to thank you for that. I, I want to thank you for no being problem. willing to, to come on and chat about this. But, um, I asked a similar question to George. I wanted to get your take on this as well. What's what, what have the last three weeks, and I'm sure it's tough to sum it up in just a few minutes, but what have the last three weeks been like for you since the death of George uh, Floyd? What emotions, thoughts have been most prevalent? What, what's been going through your mind? 
Wow, so many things uh, have been going through my mind. Um, it's taking me back to 2015. I was in Baltimore. I was a, a teacher at that time five years ago when uh, the death of Freddie Gray. And we had something here in Baltimore called the Baltimore Uprising. Okay. And it was, I'd never forget it as long as I live. We were in the classroom and they said we had to, we, there was an announcement that came over the loudspeaker. Yeah. The principal said we will be leaving school early, right? So are happening, be safe. And kids were like getting all their stuff. Text messages were going off. It was in April of 2015. Hmm. I, I won't forget that. And um, and then we were, uh, my school where I was working was in a pretty good neighborhood. So we didn't have any rights over there. But in a school prior to where I was, it was it was, it was de- decimated by riots and, and, and just lawlessness. And uh, it was hard. It was hard to see. But what I've learned, what I've seen from five years ago, what I've seen now is that we as Americans and people are listening to this. I know people all over the country, uh, all over the world listening to this podcast is that with people of color are fed up um, and not only people of color. It's just every a lot of people and the tide. It's like a boiling point and um, a critical mass, as I call it, where we are, are, are tired of the police brutality. We're tired of being singled out. Uh, we're tired of just being tired. Mm. And I think that's why we're seeing now um this swath of support and angst, um, you know, over statues being taken down, uh, flags that are being taken down. Um, I'm making this conversation easy because I know it's a difficult thing to have, but I know it's in order. A friend of mine is a he's he's a florist, and he said it perfectly on on a panel I was on. He said, "Sometimes we have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because sure. that's that is how we grow." Yeah, you know, in those moments in the valley, that's where we grow, not when we're on the top, you know, or on the mountaintop, we've made it. So I think we're growing as a country, growing and in our industry, we're looking at this as a microcosm of what's happening in in, in, in the world. So I'm really um I was very disappointed in in what happened to Mr. Floyd and the other other gentlemen, Richard Atlanta. There, there are countless other uh African Americans that have had had the same fate. Uh, Mr. Floyd is around my age, so mm. I know for 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 it could have been me. You, you understand what I'm saying? So yeah. when I say I said I am, we are the same. You know what I mean? Um, I have kids. I you know I I am right there with him. So um, I, that's that's where I am with with that. It's 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 an uncomfortable situation, but I'm comfortable with speaking about it because I know in my heart that people want to get better, and I think that that white black. Latino, whatever you are, we all in in our inherently we all want to be like good. Like who wants to wake up and really come and ride and tear things up? Really, that's not you. Really want the best for your kids, for yeah. your neighborhood. Like I, I just, I just, we have different ways of getting there, and we just have to have to understand that. You know, I, I, I think yeah, absolutely. And you know, you, you spoke to the the uncomfort that can come from these conversations. And I want to be really clear about something because I, I alluded to this as well with with uh, George Mitchell when he was on the show. But you know, I'm I'm not uncomfortable with the conversation because I'm concerned about my intentions and my heart and ultimately what I want. Um, first of all, for myself and the way that I behave, uh, but then more importantly, what I want to do to support. Uh, photographers of color in our industry. I, I think the concern still for me lies in uh, the impression made, or in, unfortunately, in some cases, assumptions made. You know, just because, for example, I'm a white dude, what does that mean? And, and how does that, how is that going to, what, what are the assumptions made because of that? And as a result, is my character and is my heart going to be misjudged? And that's my concern in it, because ultimately, my biggest desire is to show kindness and, to, and, and, and love. And support. So I want to make sure that that what I'm saying, the way I'm saying it, the way in the, that I'm presenting it, the questions that I'm asking, are ultimately not offensive. They're not off-putting, um, and and you know, occasionally maybe they're going to be ignorant, but it's certainly not out of a. I'm not coming from a a place of or the, a, a bad place, shall we say, for lack of a better oh. word. I'm stum- yeah, I'm fumbling yeah. from my words here, but really that that kind of no, sets no. me up, um, Chip, for. My next question, and and it has to do with communication and language, uh, because we've seen, you know, as you pointed out, the outcry as a result of all that's been going on, um, including from the voices of the white community. And I know that, that uh, I mean, speaking of ignorance, and I'm sure I've said things at times, too, that have come off ignorant, but I think 
when when somebody from the white community says something trying to be supportive um, mm-hmm. and it comes off mm-hmm. poorly, that probably comes from a place not of actual racism, but of ignorance, right? They don't think that somebody that, that's not the same color, that doesn't look the same as them, are actually less than them. They're just ignorant and maybe not mm-hmm. have not been as proactive in their effort to support the black community and, and those people of color around them. Um, nonetheless, I just want to get your take, Chip, on what, I guess, comments or words that are being used, again, not necessarily out of malice, mm-hmm. but that have come off poorly amidst this conversation, just so that I have awareness and for those others in the white community and those who are listening to this podcast to have awareness so they can be more aware, more sensitive, ultimately. Wow. Wow. <laughs> a lot of ways. No, 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 no. I know no, I just went question. on and on for a long no, no, time. No, no, and I apologize. No. That's a, that's a great that's a great question. Well, I think I want to talk about um, what a, a couple books. I want to in the show notes. I want to make sure okay. that the listeners get this. Heard this? There's a book by Robin D'Angelo. It's called White Fragility. Okay. okay? Yeah. And it's called Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism. Okay. New York Times bestseller. Um, there's another book called The New Jim Crow. There are two books that um, they're really. A new Jim Crow is about mass incarceration. Yep. Um, okay. So, and white fragility. You probably heard these both of these books before, and they're really deep books. But the thing I want to talk about, I think, is understand the word you've you've heard this, and people have heard this recently called white privilege and what it mm. is. And I just want to talk about that first, and that would go. I can go into the words and things like that. Please. And white privilege is is that, for instance. White privilege is that you're privileged that you don't have to fear your lies when you interact with the police. So when a black person, a person of color interacts with the police, we're like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? And that's that was even before when I was in my early teenage years. And, and you know, I, I've seen Rodney King. I've seen other people. You know, I'll go back that far. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, what happens? You know, and that's the thing. And then. You don't have to fear of your children's lives when they walk or run down the street. Hmm. Okay. For instance, there's an article I remember I reading years ago about a mother's fear of a child being perceived as a threat because of his skin color. Okay. And 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 then white privilege also is about if you have a name that that's less likely, let's say if you have a name like Dante or Daquan or something like that, that may be a stereotype in order for someone not to get an interview because his name is not like a Bob or Sally or, you know, it, it could be, if my name is Kwame yeah. opposed to Bob, yeah. it can be a, Oh, let me see this resume. Hmm. You know what I mean? That's the kind of thing. So those, those are three things, but it's a nuanced thing. It's not meant to say that, you know, successful white people do not work hard or earn their accomplishments. Trust me. I know that it's really about, having that advantage because you are white and we have to work harder to get the same amount of respect. And I'm saying this and just from a place of just pure transparency, yeah. there's a white lady I was in a, in a uh, conference with, I, I was interviewing her and she's a, a keynote speaker and um, I was asking her background and I'm not going to say who it is. She's in this industry. She's really good. And she said, um, yeah, I started years ago, but I got my start when so-and-so gave me a shot. I'm like, wow, I wish this person just gave me a shot when I was, I didn't have any like experience and I got a shot. Like I kind of had to go through when I got my first shot, not even a keynote, but even speaking, I had to, uh, Dr. Tamaya Colvin, who's a good friend of the show. She had this list where she had African-Americans applying to go speaking at places. And she gave me that shot because she was intentional for African-Americans and black people to be at conferences to speak. Like, I didn't know the show at United. I didn't know Reset. I didn't know, yeah. like, all these, con- I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. So who would have taken me if I wasn't, if people didn't know me, Nathan, and I didn't know that, how would I get? I just happened to know Tamaya, and she knew what she knew. You have to understand. So no one came to me and say, hey, Chip. But after I spoke at those other conferences, that's when I got my shot to get better at other things, because if it wasn't for Dr. Tamai Colvin with that list, I wouldn't be where I am now. And me, of course, following through and being a man of my word and things like that. So one of the things that I want to say that has hurt me, um, and this is just pure, I know this is a conversation that that you don't mind having. Not at all. That 
and say, hey, Chip, you're, he, was, he was really good for, for, for a black guy. That's hurtful. You know, he's really a good speaker for a black. Well, how come I can't just be a good speaker? Well, he's talked really intelligently. Well, maybe I just don't, you know, I, I don't have to talk like non-intelligently or what is intelligent speaking? You know what I mean? And it's not like. And, and these are, these are he, things that you're actually hearing said like to your face or written about you? Not to my face. Not, no, they weren't okay. to my face. Okay. They were in. No, no one's ever. I, I, I've been in rooms yeah. where this has been discussed. And, yeah. and even now, these have come out. No one's ever said that to my face. But these are the things that have come out. Hmm. And it's not that 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 of these conversations and some of the stuff has has I've have overheard one time yeah. when I was in a, a neighboring room because you're in rooms and conferences and yeah. stuff like that that rooms walls are thin but they're hurtful you know and it's 100%. and it's hurtful because you're like okay you try your best to be a speaker and the first thing that they'll see of course they're gonna see your 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 skin color you can't you can't do anything about that right but you want to make sure that you have enough uh, stuff because I speak, of course, on Facebook marketing, Instagram marketing. So it's not, I'm not a speaker on, you know, anything, you know, I'm showing people how to make money. So people are naturally drawn to that. Sure. But I don't want to be a black speaker. I want to be the speaker that is, or the photographer that is an expert in that niche. You, you understand what I'm saying? 100%. So I think that's hurtful. Yeah. So. And, and I'm actually curious to get your take on this. And, and I know this, this is a bit of a controversial subject as well, but you, you pointed something out um, that, it, okay, so to, to take a step back, first of all, um, I've seen commentary about how offensive a, a statement similar to I don't see color um, can mm-hmm. be to the black community or to mm-hmm. other people of color. Where is the balance between not stating that? Because I think, again, maybe ignorance at the root of statements like that, but I think yeah, in many cases, yeah. at least that person's heart is right. They're, they're trying it to is. say, I'm, I'm not, or at least I'm trying not to differentiate between the two. Right. So what's the balance mm-hmm. between saying something like that, but then what exactly yeah. what you just described, which is I want to be up there. I want to be a speaker. I don't want to be a black speaker. I just want to be a speaker. How do yeah. how do we balance that conversation? Yeah. Yeah. Because, and, and here's the thing, and I want to speak to, to people that are, are, are listening to this black, white, here's the thing on our side, we as African Americans have to say there's this culture going on right now. I just have to speak to this. Yeah. That every white person that says something that is maybe because everybody's on eggshells right now, right? They're they're, they're walking on thin ice. They say one wrong word. They'll have an angry mob against them and we're going to cancel this person. We have to stop this cancellation culture. I mean, people mess up. We got to give people grace. My God. I mean, Really? I mean, I've seen too many apologies, a notes app screenshot on influencers, Instagrams that have said something that want to give something. Hey, they're not enough African-Americans in this niche. Let me give you if you're African-American, if you want this for free, uh, just email me. That goes left. That goes. Well, I didn't know. I don't see color. Well, of course, you say that you may not see color, but we live color. So to us, that is something like, OK, you're you're you're, you're patronizing us. And really, you may not be. And that's and, and and that's the thing. No one knows anyone's heart, but mm-hmm. how it comes across. Right. But but here's the thing: is eggshells, and I understand that. But then on the other side of hand, I want to tell black people who are listening to this: we have to give people grace because we know. And there's an old quote that I I, I, I even quote by Maya Angelou said: when someone reveals himself, uh, believes them, shows himself, believes them the first time. But we have to to, to just stop and think, you know. Everyone was not. There's a lady that I used to work with as a teacher in Baltimore City Public Schools. She was from Salt Lake, Utah. Now, if you know anything about Salt Lake, Utah, the population of African Americans are very thin there, very like maybe three, four percent. I don't know. But she said, Chip, when I came to Baltimore, this is the most black people I've ever seen all in my life. I've been around hmm. kids and everything. Yeah. And then she lives in Hawaii now, a good friend of mine. And she said, You know, I've been trying to educate my parents and other people about about just what's going on with Black Lives Matter, why it's important. And I think it's a lifelong work that we have to be very, very um, intentional about. And I speak about intentionality. So I understand. I understand. I'm a forgiving person, Nathan. Everyone has said something and has been hurtful. There's no one that walks the face of earth that's perfect. And I get that. But if we're intentional and if you're in your circles, my biggest thing is if you hear that in your circle, 
And if you don't check that, you're part of the problem. Right. We'll say yeah. that again. If you hear that in your circle, you hear something say, hey, he was a good speaker yeah, for a black guy. Or if you hear something like that and you don't check that, no, you're a part of the problem. So we need to make sure in our circle of influence, when we hear something, I don't care if it's for grandparents or el- or younger people, that yep. that has to change. 100%. Yeah, I'm amazed that, that I mean, you're hearing something like that in 2020. And yet I realize that's, that's a reality that still exists. And it's the very reason why we're even having this conversation. It's just, it's so yeah. insane to me at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard conversation. Yeah. It's hard conversation to have. But, but well, I want to, I want to thank people like Todd from Show It. Uh, in 2019, Todd took a tough, um, um, talk about race. I don't know if you you heard it, but it was a tough talk about race, and he did it prior. And you may want to link th- that that talk in the show notes if yeah. you can get it. It's yeah. excellent. And as an owner of a company, before I don't want to say it's popular because this one I want to I want to tell people and our listeners is that this is not a campaign. Black Lives Matter isn't just a thing that's going to go away like 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 a Mother's Day campaign, yep. Yep. like a holiday campaign. This is real life. This is it. Get used to it. This is the new normal. How the coronavirus and masks and stuff are, this is what it is now. So if you don't like this, oh, well, welcome to 2020 and beyond. <laughs> this is it. Well, and, and yet and yet, it's not even – I'm going to push back a little bit on that, Chip, because it's not – I mean, we're talking about a virus, a disease that's the most terrible thing in the world. We're talking about with Black Lives Matter and equity and inclusion. We're talking about treating people with love and kindness and equity – that's that should be something that that feels like a strain to do um and and again it's 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 so sad and so ridiculous that this has to be a point of conversation right now but again i can't i can't thank you enough for your graciousness and and those others who are willing to have these conversations and and to give us a little breathing room too is you know in the white community who who genuinely want to be of support of help have a good heart and maybe just don't quite know exactly what to do or the yes. exact right things to say our heart is is in the right place um and i can promise yes. you that and and that's i'll just continue to work from that place chip but um yeah. i, I want to get your take you know i mean we've we've talked and again very briefly that this is such a loaded topic and really deserves so much more time but you know the the flip side of the conversation if we could even say that at this point have you seen is you you talked about the, the um, I guess the drive that that many in our culture have right now to make change have there been signs that have been encouraging signs that maybe this isn't just going to be kind of a blip you know something that's in pop culture right the second and then we're going to go back to normal have you seen any signs that, that have been encouraging yeah I, I've seen the major camera companies I've seen people listening um, I've been in talks I've been on webinars been in seminars and <laughs> And it's about community. I, I'm part of the Rising Tide Society and other 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 organizations that really want to see this not just as a blip on the screen. So I'm encouraged by what is happening, and I'm encouraged by uh, photographers that are that are challenging, and not only photographers of color, all photographers that are challenging the status quo and mm. asking the questions. We have to ask those questions. Yeah. Because if we don't ask those questions, we will never get the answer. Why aren't there more people of color? Why aren't there more ambassadors of color for Canon or for Nikon or for artisans for Sony? We need to ask those questions. Um, and we've been asking those questions for a while. Uh, uh, Dr. Tamayakola, again, I, I can't say her name uh, uh, enough, but she's been asking those questions. Other people have been asking those questions. Yeah. Why? And now we're starting to get some traction because it is in the forefront, okay? And I think that it's a great thing. It's a great thing, but I think, like I talked about, this whole discomfort, right? We all know about the discomfort, but we know we want to thrive in there. I think we have to stay in this discomfort so we get these questions and see why they are, why there aren't different people. But I'm encouraged that the companies are taking notice and actually putting plans in place, not just a six-month plan, but a multi-year plan going forward. And this is what we will, will do to fight uh, social injustice. Wow. Well, and, and to that point, actually, let's just talk briefly about the photography industry, Chip. Um, from your perspective, are there specific things, maybe two or three, three or four things that 
photographers and, and more specifically white photographers can do to circle around photographers of color to uplift them, to support them, encourage them. And, and not again, not just right now, but to make this a, a normal thing moving forward. One thing that I want to say to photographers, I want you to see color, but I want to see color. And as we say, we say, understand your role. It's okay to see color, but understand that, guess what? We're different, but a perspective can, a different perspective can, can enhance the quality of all of our lives. Absolutely. Because when we see a panel and everybody has the same opinion hmm. and everybody has the same shooting style, hmm. whether it be light in area, dark and moody, are we, are we going to grow? Hmm. Are we going to be the same? I think that we have to do that because we go to conferences, we go, go, we, we, we listen to the same people all the time and they look like you and you don't get another perspective, do the work. And when I say do the work, be proactive. There, there are people like, well, Chip, I'm in Maine or I'm in, you know, um, you know, Loveland, Colorado, somewhere where it's not a lot of African-Americans. Well, let's set up a style shoot, go yeah. to a conference you know, come to the cookout. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's one of your favorite conferences. hundred <laughs> anyway, percent, yeah. man. And it actually, it's going to be in Chattanooga this year too. Hopefully yeah. we'll still have it um, yeah. in Chattanooga yeah. in October this exactly. year. Exactly. So come there. It's a welcoming environment, Nathan. Oh I, my word. I just, yes. I, oh my God, it's so fun. But I just want to make sure that, that, that this is a work. When I say do the work, do the work by being out there. I have a, um, and we'll put this in the show notes. I have a, on my website, chipdesart.com slash diversity. Yes. I have a no judgment email list. And we'll put this in the show notes, of course, that you can ask me the tough questions without being judged. You say, Hey, Chip, I don't have that. I don't know what to do. How do I ask a black person I want to model for me, but I don't want to seem like I'm fishing for, for black people on my feed. Right. These are questions that come up right? and that have come up a lot recently. Well, Okay, first of all, I say, well, if you weren't doing this before the Black Lives Matter got immensely popular, let's just wait it out a little bit and let's see, let's do it strategically Mm. to see what you can have. Because we want to come to a a place of genuine, of course, and we we, we know it can be genuine, but we want to make sure that it's done well. Like I said, we're not a campaign. We're not a, a monolith. I want you to to see color and understand the role that you play in it. And if you don't remember anything else, don't say I don't see color. Just see it and understand the role that it that it that it plays. And put yourself in my shoes. I know it's hard to, but just put yourself in my shoes. And when I go out of the door, when I when I see those flashing lights, my heart drops to my stomach because I don't know if I can make it out of that stop alive. That man wanted to come home to his family, hmm. you know, and he can't. You know what I mean? And for the grace of God, it could have been me or any other photographer. It could have been George or whoever, you know? So I think that we have to, we have to, we're, we're coming to a point, and I know this is a, a, a hot topic, a debated topic, but we're coming to the point where we have to get beyond this. We have to, just as a photography community, to say, hey, listen, we're a photographer for everyone, and we're not going to put up with this. I hear photographers talking about last three, four weeks, hey, I've lost followers, I've done this. Well, you know what? Good for you if you lost followers. Guess what? I have people that are losing lives. I can care less if I'm losing followers. Mm. Let me just keep that real. Yeah. You know, I don't want to hear about people upset because they posted a black square and they're losing followers. Whoop-de-doo. Care less. Yeah. I'm, I care more about lives being lost and impacts that are made. Followers and the people that you're losing aren't worth the time of day anyway if they don't support uh, uh, equal treatment for every human being. I'm sorry, I get a little passionate about this, Nathan. I'm not fussing. I'm just, it's just my passion coming out. Please. Yeah. You, if that's, if that's passion, you've been tamed, Chip. No, I, I, I can, I can only imagine. And, and to, to be, you know, in all seriousness, um, I, 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 because I'm not a person of color. I don't have that experience. I don't know exactly what it feels like. I don't, I don't know exactly how to relate. And yet at the very least, and I kind of want to end on this note, just know I've got your back chip. I've, I've got the, the, the so-called yes. back of the um, photography community, photographers of color in our industry. 
And, and you know, I, I want to kind of close, actually, uh, on this note, not just accountability for those listening in, but for myself as well. A note that you have on that very page that you pointed out earlier, chipdesire.com slash diversity, um, it, it, there's this, this graphic, and it says, on being an ally. Being an ally is a verb, not a noun. You can't just magically be an ally to people of color because you say you're one. It's something that you must continually work on. Let's do the work. And so, um, I mean, that's accountability for me. Um, I, I want it to be accountability for everybody listening in. And um, Chip, just, just I, I can't thank you enough for continuing to help myself and others listening to the podcast develop awareness and perspective because that makes a big difference. You know, a lot of, a lot of these issues that we're talking about come from a place of assumption. People look at someone, they make an assumption, they write them off, they treat them poorly, whatever it is, but it's rooted in a, an assumption or a, a series of assumptions. It's time to set those assumptions aside. It's time to start showing empathy, to have conversations for the sake of developing perspective and ultimately to actively support um, photographers of color, again, speaking specifically to the photography industry, photographers of color. Um, I want to do that. And um, I hope that those listening in, you'll do that with me. Thanks once again, Chip, for making time for all of us. And um, just one more time, give a shout out to your your websites and social media, if you will. Sure. It's chipdesire.com, chipdesireweddings.com, and at on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook, just type Chip Desire. And one of the things I want to say in closing is that we need to have courageous conversations, Nathan, like this with each other to move forward. And I think these conversations, they're, they're, they come, no one wants to have them, but they're necessary and they're very courageous. And I want to applaud you and others, especially for always having these conversations. Well, it, it's truly been my privilege, Chip. Um, it's a privilege to call you a friend. I'm glad that we've had the chance to share our conversations with the industry now. And then, of course, previously, for those of you who didn't hear episode 226, where Chip got into one of his specialties, Facebook ads, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Um, along with the talking points from today, the resources from today, bocapodcast.com. Make sure you check that out. Thanks again, Chip. Thank you for having me, Nathan. Thanks so much, photographers, for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is Nathan at bocapodcast.com. We do try to bring this show to you commercial free, so make sure to check out our sponsors, photographersedit.com and milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. Photographers Edit is custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and Milu is the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.